Welcome to the Route Museum. We are so glad you guys are here. My name is Debbie. I am the curator from this museum, but the whole exhibit you see here is a partnership between this museum and the Korean Cultural Center of Chicago, which happens to be located in Wheeling. So they're our next door neighbors, pretty much, and this is the first time we ever did an exhibit together. And I don't have to tell you guys that food is one of the ways that people relate to each other the best. And so when we were talking about what exhibit to do, we talked about food, we talked about celebration, we talked about history and holidays, and came up with this, talking about using food for celebration and how it happened both in this country, earlier on, 100 years ago in Buffalo Grove, and in Korea, and then when we go around the corner, we thought the best food holiday of all is Thanksgiving and the Korean holiday of Chuseok. And I am going to talk a little bit about this part here, but then I'm also going to turn it over to my colleagues who will, from the Korean Cultural Center of Chicago, who will talk about all of that part too, and feel free to ask questions. If we can't answer the question, we'll, I was going to say happily make stuff up, but that would be wrong. You'll tell me um, and I'll tell them. How's that? And we will convey it. So and first of all, thank you all for coming out. I was so afraid when the weather report said possible snow that everyone would be like, yeah, I'm not ready for this yet. So I will say the first part of the exhibit over here is where you get your ingredients because that is what we wanted people to think about for cooking even as a hundred years ago which is not that far back was if you were living in Buffalo Grove in Illinois if you were living in most parts of Korea if you wanted to cook it you had to grow it first we were a farming community here and it wasn't even just one kind of farming. You have a little bit of all of it here. You've got the cultivator for the grain and the potatoes and the sugar beets. You've got the milk can because it was very much a dairy farming community. So it was milk and cheese and cream. You've got the apple grinder for making cider because we did have fruit orchards. It was apple cider, pear cider, the apple cider was the most popular, but there was everything else could get ground up. And this, if you tilt it sideways, is the best mail ever because that was how you got live chickens in the mail. You could order them, which kind of puts everything you can get from Amazon right now to shame, right? <laughs> so we wanted people to think about how you had to grow just about everything you eat, but no matter how good you are at farming, either here or in Korea, there's some things you just can't grow. And since a lot of the early settlers here were from Germany, there were some things that you had in Germany that you just couldn't get here. You couldn't grow them. We did have a general store, and that is where you got everything you couldn't grow. And a general store with basically one big room sounds like it's small and not <coughs> fun, but one of the things over here, we have receipts from the 1919 General Store to give people an idea of what was being bought and what was being spent for it. So 
you had every, chocolate, different kinds of spices. Um, the thing that we see all the time that we actually had to look up was yeast foam. So it wasn't yeast in cakes, but at least around here, if you were buying yeast, it was yeast foam. And that was being bought very, very, very frequently to the point where we were trying to figure out either they were just baking all of the time or maybe yeast foam lost its mojo more quickly. You guys might be able to tell me that more than I would. But we also have, as part of sort of a nod to the German heritage, a tremendous amount of dried fish, specifically dried herring, um, to the point where this little bitty community, the store, served by one store, the store would advertise in the newspaper that they got a new shipment of herring in, a thousand pounds, get it while it lasts. <laughs> so, and so I just have to figure. But not only are you growing it, buying what you can't get, but of course, pre-refrigeration and even afterwards, you have to save it. And this is one of the things we had the most fun with and that my colleagues from the Cultural Center can address too, was we wanted to explore how one one item, one vegetable, could become two very, very different dishes. And in the case of Buffalo Grove, cabbage was the easiest pick because you have both sauerkraut and kimchi. And we have plenty of different artifacts from the museum about making sauerkraut in larger crocs, smaller crocs. That is a vintage sauerkraut masher from mashing in the cracks, in the crocs. And we know it was a regional thing here because we have advertisements from the local newspaper at the time. And there were small sauerkraut factories being started to create sauerkraut. And the, the factory owner was advertising to get as many cabbages as possible. And we also have, and I think this is fun, advertisements for sauerkraut suppers for church fundraising sauerkraut suppers. And you know that it was traditional and that was coming on. So we're gonna go over here. And my last bit here will be how technology changes cooking. So we have a range here, both from all of this is sort of assuming pre-electricity and pre-refrigeration, which in Buffalo Grove, we got electrified in the 19-teens. So, and it made all the difference. And so you've got some of the different appliances. One of the first things people would buy after lights, the thing they wanted the most was a clothes washing machine. That was too expensive. The thing they bought first was an electric toaster. Um, what we have here is not first or even second, and not quite 100 years old, but still fun. This would be a 1947 refrigerator and we know it was working all the way up until the time somebody put it on the curb in Buffalo Grove which is actually how I acquired it for the museum I was driving down the street and <laughs> hit the brakes <laughs> but we have some amazing things over here too from winter kimchi yes sir this electric and for you all, I will touch it and open it. And you can see, for anyone who hasn't or used to see but doesn't remember, 
That little white box in there, that's the freezer. freezer yep. yep. When I was growing up in Rogers Park in the apartment buildings, that's the refrigerator. I mean, that's about the size of it, the size of the freezer. So we knew that. And if you didn't have a fridge or a yep. freezer, and I'm sorry if I'm stealing your guys' thunder, winter kimchi was buried in the ground. So we've got the pots for kimchi there. One of the pictures over there can, shows the, the kimchi pots buried in the ground with the snow on them. And then when you need it, you just go out and get some more. But we also have, and this is the best. Get you guys over to, but it, it's, a, it's a millstone. It's an old Korean millstone for grinding. And you can see pictures of it. Working here, we have vintage rice cookers. Not plain. <laughs> vintage. <laughs> vintage and versus your Instapot or some of the ones now where all you have to do is hit three buttons and it's good to go. Um, and then, and I really want you guys to do this too. We know that Thanksgiving or Chuseok have traditional dishes, but also every family makes it better. So we have plates for people to write on what has to be on your holiday table to share with other people. Okay, I'm gonna hand it over here. And right here in this area, we've got both a traditional Thanksgiving table and a traditional Chuseok table. And I'm going to pass the baton over to my colleagues here. <laughs> and let them tell you. Hi, welcome. My name is Jian Oh, and I am from Korean Culture Center of Chicago. Uh, we are located in Wheeling. Um, so if anyone have any time driving past by, please just stop by. We do have exhibitions and events on a regular basis. But we did do this exhibition with Debbie with Walt Museum to compare the two different cultures. So we did Thanksgiving and I'm very familiar with this Thanksgiving table because I grew up here, <laughs> but I know that we do Thanksgiving in a slightly different way. So this Thanksgiving table is actually a table that is a offering to our deceased ancestors that we um, honor during Thanksgiving. So um, all the food that's on the table symbolizes some sort of, some kind of, um, symbolism for doing this traditional table for our ancestors. Um, so this is a table that we would do on Thanksgiving. Um, and then, you know, we would come and put their name on that little plaque, and then we would honor them, and then we would lit up the scents and, you know, do all the little, um, the traditional uh, celebration that we do. So this is what we do. Um, do you eat it? Afterwards, yes. Oh, okay, We don't good. let it go to waste. Good, good, afterwards, good. yes, we do, we do the celebration first, and then of course we do eat it afterwards. We don't let it go to waste. Are you saying that each one of those plaques represents an ancestor? No. Okay. So there is a tradition where um, certain types of fruits should be put on the table, certain types of food should not, um, I don't really know the whole entire detail to it. It's like a dictionary of it, but mm -hmm. it does have 
Um, they want you to have certain types of food, and these foods are certain types of foods that are um, asked to be put on the table as an offering. Can you tell us what some of those foods are? I don't recognize. Well, a lot of if them. you come, um, like these are, these are. Yeah, guys. <laughs> yeah come. Get, get, get. They're just pictures. <laughs> okay. So these are jujubes, and and they they're chestnuts and pears and um, persimmon and apples, and this is a um, dried fish. These are um, certain vegetables that we make. Um, Panchon. Would you say that would be panchan? Well, yeah, this would be a panchan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this would be a panchan. Um, and this is um, fried tofu. There's some pancakes. Um, I'm sure if you've tried Korean food, some of these foods you probably already tasted. Um, there's nothing significantly different from what we eat now. Um, but of course, there's the rice cakes and the rice. And we always put a bowl of some sort of soup. Um, so we... What's an example of, of a food that you wouldn't put out? Uh, I think watermelon is one thing that you don't oh, put. Yeah. She knows more than I do. With yeah, stuff like I don't that. know that, that much detail, but we put some information over there. So ah. if we are On the board, yeah. Okay. yeah. It's got the details of yeah. what you should not put on the uh -huh. table. And I what heard is... that the watermelon has too, too many seeds. Mm. So that's not we going to put on the table. So, does this take place during American Thanksgiving? Um, or we, is this, mm -hmm. Well, so this is a tradition that we do carry on in South Korea. We, a lot of the families still do practice this, and I myself have practiced this with my father-in-law because he tradition, like he valued his tradition, so he brought it here in the 70s, and he expected his children to do this every um, a New Year's, and on Thanksgiving, so which we did do. And we didn't do it on Thanksgiving Day. We would do the lunar calendar, Chinese, or the Chuseok. And it's like the eighth month, the eighth lunar cycle, and then it's like, what, eight days or 18 days after that? 15 days. Okay, 15. So, 15. Right so, so okay. I... I looked this up when I was when I here earlier. I got I sat out in the parking lot and looked it up like September 18th or something like that. Yes. Yeah. Well, no, the, Much the earlier. Every 15 day is full moon. Right. So they celebrate as a so the, the, uh -huh. so the Thanksgiving is not a reference to American Thanksgiving. It's it's a harvest fest. Yeah, it's yeah. our harvesting holiday. Yeah. Which effectively is Thanksgiving too for yes. us. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's true. Yes. Hey, um, are there typically any uh, vegan meals offered in uh, Korean culture for holidays? I think we do dishes? now because a lot of the people in back in Korea now are going into being vegans and vegetarians. Not so much back then, but now it's it's very fairly pop, you know, popular. Yeah. So I think they are offered. Um, even at restaurants here, if you say you're a vegan or a vegetarian, they'll accommodate that. There's, there's a great vegan Korean restaurant. Um, there's a great, a fabulous vegan Korean restaurant uh -huh. on, um, on, the, on yeah. Milwaukee. On oh. the table? Yeah. Mm -hmm. huh. What is it called? Amitabul. Amitabul. Oh. Is it what? Milwaukee and Ziwon. 
different ways of doing this and every family has different stuff that they put on their table as well this is just a general idea of what um, what they expect but every family does it differently and for us for my father-in-law he would always put his father's name or his mother's name on the plaque before we do the ceremony of, you know we do the bows and you know we honor them by doing a little ritual thingy and that's what we did. So many different colors and presentations. Yeah. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Is there a rule, like, um, I know in Japanese you have to have, I think it's five colors on the plate. Is there any rule like that in the Korean culture? Do you have it has, all I know is, yeah, all I know is that um, if there's multiple, I think it's expected to be an odd number, yes. not even numbers. Okay. Yeah, so. It's really universal interesting. Maybe right? not that, but you guys were telling me there are certain positions that yes. each stitch yes. should be in, so it's, it's not random. It's, it's north, south, east, and west. Yeah. It, it, certain things need to be on the east, certain yeah. things need to be taken. Like over there. there. Oh, yes. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, it's all there. And the fish has to face the certain direction. The tail needs to be on certain So it's like the feng shui wow. of the table. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely, yes. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yes, and I heard a rumor that you um, Koreans traditionally have kimchi with like every meal. Yes, we do. <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah. I love kimchi. Oh, but yes, we do. It's, it's a good thing. Yes, it's in it, it, Yeah, it comes out with pizza. It comes out with pasta. Yeah. Really? Yes, it so does. Good, good probiotic. Yes. yes. My, yeah, my husband, my kids love it. So they eat it with their pasta. They eat it with their pizza. You know, they have kimchi pizzas, kimchi pastas. Now they're you know fusioning it up, and you know it's it's kimchi breakfast cereal. Well, my kids would have it if they could have it. There you know, was but a, now they do because, Mommy, but I'm wearing a mask, I won't yeah. <laughs> I could eat kimchi before I go to school. Before they used to go, I gotta go brush my teeth before I go because I just had a piece of kimchi. But now it's like... And, and, and then the Chinese have joined into the kimchi thing because at uh, 88 Market at Chokwan, they had a cheese and kimchi bun last week. And I ate it. So there you go. I, I mean, I'm proof. Yeah. Yeah. Cheese and kimchi bun? Actually, this Second? Yeah. Next next Monday is kimchi day. They really? Kimchi day. Yes. Really? Yeah. Oh, kimchi so day. So you have to have a meal that consists of all kimchi. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, kimchi soup, kimchi. Or make. <laughs> so do you make kimchi? Yeah. It's okay if you don't. It's fine. You know. I used to make it with my mom when you know when she was younger and she was really enthusiastic about it, but 
Well, she stopped. I honestly don't. Well, you go to H Mart, you can buy like this. Oh, well, right, but I, when I, you I, take a look at the cost of ingredients, making it yourself is. It's, no, you can buy the red pepper. Oh, I yeah. know. I mean, everything. It's mm -hmm. And it's so much faster to make than sauerkraut. Yeah, it is. Sauerkraut, it's, you know, a month later, you're still waiting. Yeah. If you buy, if you buy therapy, you can use it. Yes, I mean, you could eat it fresh. Uh -huh. Some people like them fresh. But and then it's sitting on the And then you ferment it a little, it's got that little tanginess, and I really. And I've known people where they bought the stuff from the store, it wasn't tangy or, as you say, fermented enough, so they left it on the yes. kitchen table yes, for like and let it fizz for a few more days. Yes. And then if you see a little bubble, you're good. Yep. <laughs> and then what's the difference between the red and the white? I've seen both like at HMR. Oh, the white one, they don't put the red peppers oh, in there. So it's, so it's not, it's, it's mild. So it's oh, that's for me uh, then. So now the people that have the kimchi refrigerators, yes. are those the ones that made it themselves or would it be the stuff that was even store-bought that you would keep in there? Because they're very expensive. The kimchi yeah, right. refrigerators, yeah, they're specifically, it, the temperature is set so specific to keep the kimchi to go unfermented for for a long time. It, it'll stay there fresh for a long time. I think it's like... No, no, no. I think it's to, it's to prevent it from fermenting so super fast. Yeah, I mean, if you put a, a unripened kimchi in a regular refrigerator, it'll ferment in there within a couple of weeks. It it doesn't stay fresh, but in a kimchi refrigerator, because of the temperature is set to a certain degree and it's it's technology, it keeps the kimchi fresh for a long time. And you'd only take up a certain amount to ferment it to eat it, because a lot of people, because in the wintertime, people used to make boxes and boxes and boxes of kimchi, and it's, you know, you don't want that all fermenting at the same and time. And bury it in the backyard. Yes, like in those big jars. Yeah. Yeah, you just bury it, <laughs> and it stays fresh for a long time. I, I, went, I met somebody who did that, and then when I went to talk to him more, he didn't want to talk about it. Oh, he <laughs> It was very annoying. <laughs> you flirt with the idea, and then you don't tell me. Okay. Wow. Yes. But yeah, that's the traditional way of storing kimchi underground to keep the you know the temperature. Yes, yeah. yes, because it'll stay consistent. The fermenting process happens fast because the temperature doesn't keep consistency because we're always constantly sure. opening it. So it goes up and down, up and down, up and down. And that ferments it real fast. But you know, if you once close it up and don't touch it, then there's nothing going in there, so it'll stay fresh for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing I thought about it made it sound like you had it, you had it, you had it even though it took a year to ferment slowly. Well, yeah, it does ferment slowly in the refrigerator. Uh, slowly, the best thing is what's called the ferment ferment slowly. Mm-hmm. The kimchi refrigerator? Yeah. No, not in, in the ground. Oh, in the ground. Yeah, eventually it'll ferment. I mean, it, it sure. won't stay fresh yeah. forever, yeah. but it will slow the process. You, you can't you go through. You can't buy small small bags of fermented kimchi. 
And instead of ten dollars for, for oh, gallon, I think they do. I think certain egg. grocery stores they yeah. do have a package of fermented ones that you could just buy. It's like, yeah, like you know, it's like, like four ounces. Yes, ounces. I think for they the do. Same price as the, the gallon. That's of, true. Of Which it would not work at my house because that would be gone in one oh. meal. So okay. it, it'll cost an arm and a leg to <laughs> eat like that. Yeah, I you had know. And there was a place in Chicago. I think it's gone but you could buy fermented but it would be like how long was it aged and you could buy the age that you wanted i think they I, they're gone or they moved yeah i'm not too sure but i know what you're talking about it was what it was way back when it was like there's the freshly made ones and there's like half fermented or completely fermented right and then there's that guy who the korean guy who has a hamburger place on sheridan road in chicago uh, do you remember the name? Uh, but his mother would make 70 pounds of kimchi every week to take care of his restaurant. Oh, really? I know. Yeah. And in fact, oh, sorry, I go back to the Wayback Machine here. Um, so my grandparents bought an office retail, whatever building, on uh, Bertaw and Lincoln in Chicago. Mm -hmm. It's where Cho Sun Oak is. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, we know where that okay, is. Okay, so. Chosun Oak says their web, their their restaurant's been there since 1979. I believe it. It's not. Oh, it's not. No, because we bought that building 1970, and there was a Korean restaurant in there, and I don't know if it's Chosun Oak or somebody else. Hmm. I've been meaning to look it up like in the telephone book. Well, because I've been here since '80. Right. When I was really little, and I remember <laughs> going there when I was. You know, in my teens. And right. No, no, it's still there. I mean, yeah. now there's a line to get in. Oh. <laughs> you know, before I could walk in any old yes. time, no big deal. But our offices were next door. I see. And you had those very strong orders for the fermenting kimchi. Oh. <laughs> okay, I don't I'm just just telling you, my par my father and his wife, my mother, and the kids. We were the only ones from next door that would go there to eat. Because oh. everybody else was put off by the odor. Oh, but yeah. I'm sure back don't then they had no choice. The they had no it's choice. delicious. Oh, it is good. Yeah, don't be turned off by the no, 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 it's just... <laughs> My husband, when we first started eating kimchi, and that, maybe 20 years ago, he said, Pauline, if you open that jar, you have to go outside. Oh. <laughs> you have a what eye? If you, you open have... the jar, you have to eat it outside. <laughs> Because, you know, good kimchi yes. has a really... Yes, it, it is very pungent. Well, but you know, we're all used to it. <laughs> and I make sauerkraut. And I was reluctant to make sauerkraut because the reputation was it's going to stink up your house. Well, no, and I finally did it. Mm -hmm. It didn't. But I'm only making five gallons. You know, but I thought if I had, you know, a big room full of sauerkraut, I guess it would stink the house. In fact, I even kept it in a place by the furnace. Thinking, oh, nobody will notice it. Nobody did notice it. I was babysitter of it, but <laughs> just telling you, you know, things that have a reputation. I think it's for the concentrated amount. Yes. Then it's yes. got a problem. Well, you know, we eat a lot. We, you know, Certainly. we've had people come over and they never complain. So <laughs> no, no, then okay. I don't either. Yeah. So I, have, I have Korean friends who insist that to be authentic, kimchi needs to be buried in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> That's the traditional way. Yes. Uh, that's, you see all those little tiny jars? Those are just little replicas, smaller jars of the actual jars that people would bury underneath and they would put... I think they used to put fish in there to keep it fermented. It was a 
form of refrigeration. I recorded everything, so whatever you missed. The picture at the top. Did they do have the land for it down in the countryside? Wow. Celery. Cooked. <laughs> oh, good. What? Celery. Yeah. Somehow it was a refrigeration uh -huh. process, so they would put a, they would just put everything in that. It yeah. was. It would slow down the process of any kind of, you know, fermenting or decay, like fruits and vegetables too. It'll stay fresh for as long as, you know, better than leaving it out on the counter. So they use that as a... I don't know anybody who's doing it right now. Um, yeah, I don't... Maybe I want to dig my backyard and bury something and see how that goes. Never thought about that. Both those, those big clay jars are so expensive. They're like a couple hundred dollars. I don't think I can afford that. I'd probably buy a new refrigerator. <laughs> are, are winters in Seoul commensurate to Chicago? Temperature? Temperature-wise? Oh, I, I think very similar. I think they're pretty it's, I think it's similar. <laughs> but I think we get more snow. Definitely more snow. Oh. I think we definitely do get more snow here. But temperature-wise, they do get super okay. cold over there, too. Yeah. You've been to Korea? No, I have not. You should make a visit. Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely it's, a, it's one of the things that on your list to do. You should definitely ah, visit. I came I here when I was really little, and I've only been I'm back. I went back once after high school as a graduation yeah. gift from my parents, and I went back once with my company yeah, so that I was working with. They sent me as a, you know, a, a work travel, yeah. and then I went back once, right before I got married, early 2000s, and I have never been back since. And my kids, my oldest is 14, and she loves K-culture and K-pop, so she's begging me to take her. Do you speak Korean at home? I do not. Okay. Uh, my husband is not so good in Korean, so I get Well, yeah, that makes a difference. That makes a difference. Yes, yeah, so I get frustrated with him, so then we just... So we're just more comfortable. So my kids are not as good in their Korean, but I, but we, you know, we try. But they know all the Korean, you know, food like kalbi, kimchi. <laughs> you know, they know they know that, but they can't speak fluently <laughs> as they should. But you know. Now, now you're you're from Korea. Yeah, right. So what's your reaction to living here in the American culture? Mm -hmm. Oh. Political questions. <laughs> no, no, not really. But you know. These sides were all crazy. <laughs> not really. All right, I'm not putting you on the spot. But here, I will ask you if you can, because you're probably more familiar with it about the... So this is post-Korean War uh, food stuff in Korea, based on food rations that the GIs left behind. Like the Spam and the sausage. Oh, during Korean, Korean War. Mm -hmm. So the 1950s, early 50s. Something yeah, like right. that. And then they left behind a lot of their, you know, cheese and ham and sausage. And spam. And spam. Yeah. And so they put, so they put everything together and said, okay, and then, you know, what do we have abundant of in Korea back in the day? We all had just kimchi. We didn't really have a lot of, it wasn't plentiful back then. So kimchi with all the spam. And voila. It's actually pretty good. It's delicious, yeah, right? right? It's called Korean Army Stew. Yes. Correct? Yeah. Fudei chicken. Fudei chicken. Are there, Fude 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 Are there a lot Fude of Western influences Army. in Korean cuisine Absolutely. now? Absolutely. Yes. Everything now is Everybody, westernized. Yeah. In everything. Um, I grew, you know, right before I came here when I was really little, you know, I used to eat those rice cakes, tteokbokki. Have you ever you mm -hmm. used to sure, have sure, the sure. Yeah. Oh, you mean no, the, the, the tubes of rice? Oh. The, the yeah, tubes right. with, yeah. the rice, with the red, uh, the red 
the red bean paste. Right, right. And, yeah, the rice cakes. I've seen it at H Mart. They have you ever tried that? Yeah, I had it on so samples. Yeah. Those samples are great. Yes. Oh but now, everything, even those traditional rice cake things, they put cheese on there. <laughs> cheese with everything. Everybody so everything. Yes. Or ramen. Yeah. You know, those ramen noodles, they put cheese in there. And it's oh, just, yeah. It's ramen delicious. Noodles. I tried it. Yeah. It's, it's not bad. It's delicious. <laughs> have, have you tried chapche before? Chapche? Oh, yes. <laughs> I've made chapche. What is chapche? Chapche noodle is very good with Oh, that's a chewy, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, a, well, no, it's not like jajang, but it's... Similar. So it's like those clear glass noodles. Oh, yeah. like rice noodles. Stir fried or sweet, yeah. sweet potato noodles. Yeah. yeah, it's very good. Okay. So you okay. put you put that yeah, and together, uh -huh. it's delicious. It's gluten free. You know what? If you'd like, you can keep it. I, no, 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 no. Here, I bought it. I bought this for a gift to somebody. They didn't want it, and I brought it here a, for the explanation, but also to get rid of it. Or say, uh, isn't that a Korean market? Yeah, yeah, that's the um, Chicago Foods. Right off. Oh yeah, with John, John, So there. Um, they're the original, and they opened up a second shop, which is JB and Glenview, Moa yes. Milwaukee and Central. And it has a nice food court it's upstairs. Got a food court upstairs, right. yes. So you go there, and you know you could buy. But there's a restaurant on Route 60. Can't even know the name. Yes, that, that actually serves that. Really? Yeah. Next to Olaf. The there, next meat, to Olaf. There's meat in this, or it's a meat broth. Uh, sir, I haven't read the instructions. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a vegetarian, so I don't worry. On 60 in the restaurant. Yeah, yes. that makes the army. So it's like so. There's a. Is that up on a little strip mall? It's in a strip mall, but it's close. It's on the western edge where where 60 instead of going. So you're going from 41 all the way to where. Uh, yeah, it's the mall that has the big garden fresh. Oh. And you just keep hitting this. Yeah. Well, right. yeah, but you know. yes. they do have those stew packs. They have the stew packs. Right. Yeah. There's another restaurant on 60 called Blue House. A friend of mine owns it. And okay. It's really delicious. It's too. So I have a question. You get soups delivered to your table, blazing hot, boiling. When do you begin to eat those things? Because you, just, the, you, 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 you even write that in there? Blow it and eat it. Wow. <laughs> you just blow it. Because I've seen them come to the table and yeah, it's like. It's, it's, yeah, it's blazing. It's, yeah. it's I'm just waiting to scald my tongue. Yeah. No, you, you gotta take that first spoon and you just, you just blow it out. Yeah. And then you just gotta sip it. You don't okay, it, I'll be yeah. more brave. Uh, yeah, that's how it's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, you don't let it go down. You have, you gotta eat it while it's still boiling. bubbly. Yes, but of course you have to blow no, on it to make sure that you don't spill your. <laughs> so how large is the Korean population in the Chicago area? Oh my gosh, it's huge. It's huge, but I mean, 20 years ago when I wrote about it, it was already 10,000. I'll tell you a story that you'll appreciate. I think I was in I was in Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia. Oh, okay. And there was a Korean restaurant, and my guy really wanted to go there because he'd never had Korean food. And I'm looking at the menu going, bulgogi, japchae, all the stuff I know. And the, and the waitress goes, how do you know Korean food? I got that reaction in Australia. I just, but all I said was, I'm from Chicago. And she said, OK. Oh. So, so that's how big the population is here. Because so even it, in Mongolia, they know. Because at one point, the, the Korean population was larger than the Thai population. Mm -hmm. 
but the Thai population was very well represented in restaurants and not as much Korean. This was 20, 30 years ago. Be able to go to Lawrence Avenue if you wanted Korean food. Right. And now that's pretty much dissipated. Yeah, right. It's spread out. It's yeah. spread out. It's, yeah, it's spread out. It's more out too. to the burbs now. Because mm -hmm. nobody comes to the United States to spend their entire life in a little apartment. Yeah. Oh. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. They want a backyard. There's, there's, there's a whole bunch of people coming in these days who might have a different opinion on that. But yeah. Yeah, I understand. Well, I know, but I'm saying yeah. originally. Yeah. What Chicago has more Irish. There's always Irish. a varying opinion. Uh, more Polish than Warsaw. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. I mean, That's true. Yeah, very true. Is, true. I think I think Thai food was. Um, I think it did good because they were very concentrated. They were all stuck together. And then, and then it's just, the and then they just kind of, but then Korean, um, we were all sort of spread out. I was having this discussion with my sister who lives outside of Madison, Wisconsin, um, because I hang around with a bunch of meetups where we go to different ethnic restaurants. And I know I asked my sister, there's a number of Hmong restaurants mm -hmm. in yes. Madison, mm -hmm. but there aren't any in Chicago. Yeah. And we were, we were trying to figure out if there were even any Cambodian restaurants in Chicago. And I think, I think somebody are. came up with like two. Yeah, not a lot. I, I think there's And there's one two. Burmese yeah, in the area. I was going to just say Burmese. Where's the, where's the Burmese one? In uh, Wheaton. Sure. In Wheaton, the, the border of. Cambodian restaurant I know is in is either Glen Island or Lombard, right on Roosevelt, just off Roosevelt Road, right near 53. Yeah, when I, when I came back from Cambodia, I Boston, we have a the but uh, excuse me, it's good. We have a the the line, 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 the Burmese restaurant on Devon? Yeah, I don't know. Half Burmese and half something else I have. I don't know. Where on Devon, Carrie? I don't remember. Is it over near where the Indian restaurants are or real far west? Oh, that one closed. That one closed. Sorry, I, I now remember what you're talking about. It was Devon and Western, and it was just east of Western. I believe it's closed. They couldn't keep it up. And they had babies, and they tried to do everything themselves. And there is uh, a... Um, <laughs> but thank you very much for helping us today. Well, thank you so much for coming. I really appreciate it. And I'm so glad that you guys enjoyed and have so much interest in our culture. Thank you. And if you have more programs related to culinary, please think about me. We will do that. Absolutely. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much for everybody coming. We were so happy to have people and to especially have guests who like food as much as we like talking about it. <laughs> and can make it a never-ending conversation. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you Debbie so much. will come back again. 